Welcome to Annersbrook Church. We hope this message empowers and encourages you. To hear more from our church, make sure you subscribe or visit our website at annersbrook.co.nz for a service near you. Oh, come on, let's put our hands together for that. What a powerful declaration for us to be able to make and a huge shout out obviously to the team that uh, put that together. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that inspiring? Man, I just love it. There's no limit to what God can do. What a declaration for us to make. And uh, it's my privilege to share uh, some thoughts as we start, as we embark on this journey for the year, talking about revival. And uh, uh, we wanna start this with a, a bit of a theme to preach to for the next couple of weeks, especially as we lead up to Easter. Uh, a theme that we've titled, There Is More. We wanted to clear over us as a church and as a people, as individuals, that a practical aspect to the word revival is the fact that in God, there is always more. As just spoken about in that video, that the kingdom of God never runs dry. That in God, there's, there's more for our lives. There's more for us to grab a hold of. There's more for us to step into. And um, so we're gonna start talking about that today. Is that all right? Fantastic. Um, well, for anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jared. Uh, Sean Lieberzeit. Thank you for including that. <laughs> Brent Douglas. It's a great, that's actually a great middle name. I know, Dad, you don't like that middle name, but I think it's a really, it's a good, it's a good one. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I'm so pumped to be able to share today. And, um, I just really pray that God speaks to someone in the room, that God encourages someone today. Um, we believe every time we come around the Word of God, that God moves, that God speaks. This isn't just um, man's thoughts, but um, hopefully uh, this is some of God's thoughts. Hopefully, that's what I'm, I believe I'm believing for today. But um, let, me, let me share a thought with you. I've titled this thought, We See Nothing, But God Sees More. If you're taking notes, you can write that down in your uh, note-taking device or on your uh, notebook if anyone ever still brings paper um, to church. I know some people do. But today, I wanna encourage someone that feels like they are living with a bit of a deficit. I wanna encourage someone that maybe feels that there's uh, a a shortfall or a lack or an undersupply in life. Uh, We often talk about a deficit from a poverty point of view. Uh, like it's a, finance, a financial issue. Um, but I believe that in life, you can be in a deficit just like you can be in deficit in your budget. You can be rich, but not know true purpose. It's living with a deficit. You could be well known, but, but still feel lonely. That's living with a deficit. You can know responsibility, but not have joy. Or you could even know joy, but not have responsibility. You know anyone like that? It is always, they're too silly, you know. <laughs> they need to get some responsibility, whatever. Some people drive to church or drive somewhere in a Porsche. Other people need a ride, regardless of people's financial status or situation. Each and every one of us in life has a deficit. Some of us have multiple deficits. And there's a story in the Bible about this woman who has a, a bit of a major deficit. It's a story that's been titled The Widow's Olive Oil, 2 Kings, 2 Kings 4 verse 1. 
And I want to share some thoughts from that today. And uh, we're going to just unpack this a little bit. And hopefully it speaks to someone in the room. But it says this. It says, The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, said, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. The law of the day said that if, if you were not able to pay a debt, that you could never declare bankruptcy. But what they would do is, is someone would have to be enslaved. Someone, would, someone in the family uh, or even yourself would be enslaved to work off that debt. You wouldn't, if you couldn't pay it, you'd, you'd work it off somehow in some way. Elisha replied to her and said, how can I help you? Sounds like he's about to give her some money, you know, or um, some like McDonald's vouchers or something like that. <laughs> he says, though, tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? She replies and says, your servant has nothing there at all, except I have a small jar of olive oil. Elisha then said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all of the jars as, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Verse 5 says that she left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. She kept pouring. I, I, I love that part, that she was the one who was pouring it out. It's quite an interesting idea, but when we've been talking about revival in our meetings and, and planning and dreaming of what this could look like, we've never thought of us just sitting in a room waiting for God to pour revival out on Him to do now, but that actually each and every one of us is involved in it, that we have a part to play in it. And she is a perfect uh, illustration of this, that there is a blessing that is about to flow in her life, but it's, it takes a little bit of her responsibility. She had to keep, she had to keep pouring. Anyways, she said this, it says this, sorry. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God what had happened. And he said, go and sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. It's an amazing story. Um, and it's an amazing story, I believe, of God's provision and God's blessing for, for our lives today. It was for her, but it's also for us. It applies to us today. And uh, the, the thought is this, that when all seems lost, that in God, there is a way. When all seems to be, I don't know, it seems out of control, God still has control. He still has a plan. When things are too broken, God can repair it. When, when there's a healing that seems impossible, that He is still the healer and He is always working a miracle. I feel like there's a word for someone here today that you maybe have been waiting for a healing or a miracle, but because you haven't seen it yet, it doesn't change who God is. It doesn't change how great God is. He is still a miracle working God and He has a miracle on His way if you can continue to just believe and press in. But this is not a good situation for this woman. She's lost her husband. He's the main source of income for the family. She has obviously a debt to pay and now her sons are going to be taken and she will be left with this deficit. She's left with a deficit. I wanna um, point out an idea that sometimes the deficit isn't even our own doing. Sometimes a deficit we have in life isn't because of something that we've done. It can seem unfair, but a deficit can be given to you. Can be given to you. Jesus tells us, that there is an enemy, and it's like a thief, comes to steal, kill, and destroy, takes things, takes things from us. His main goal in life 
is that we would feel like we are missing out on something. His main goal in life is that we would feel like we are not enough. His, his main goal, the enemy's main goal, is that we would feel like we are inadequate, that there is a life out there that other people live, but we don't qualify for it. It's a life that God maybe is calling us to, but I have deficits, man. I've done some things. I've made some mistakes. I've lost things on the way. I'm not good enough for it. I don't, I'm not gonna get it. Let me tell you something. The enemy loves it when you live with a deficit. It's unfortunate though, because I think sometimes we hold on to them a little bit too long. We, we maybe get a little bit comfortable with them. We settle with them. It's like we decide that's, that's just who I am. This is, what I, this, is what I, this is what I've got. This is what I'm gonna live with. This is, my, this is my bit. And I think that it's time that you and I learn to step out of our deficit and into what God has for us. In fact, I think someone in the room needs to realize today that the deficit isn't yours, that it's the devil's deficit and it's time to give it back. <laughs> in fact, we should feel pretty good about having a deficit because we understand that it's in our weakness that God's actual perfect strength and work gets out, outplayed in our life. Because <laughs> where you have a deficit is the beginning of God's supply for your life. The fact that you maybe feel empty, it just gives God space to show up and show off in your world. The fact that you feel like you're missing out on something, it's just a space where God's power can be made perfect in your deficit, in your weakness, in the gap in your life. Uh, that's, a good, that's a great thought. So I want to share some ideas on uh, how to deal with the deficit. Should we do that? Good. Fantastic. We won't take too long, but I will take the time that I've been allowed because... I've been given it, so I'm gonna do it. All right, here we go. Dealing with the deficit, here's the first thing. I've just taken these ideas from the story of the widow's oil. The first thing is take another look. This whole situation goes down and her first response is to go to Elisha, the man of God. In a, in a way, she goes straight to God. That's her first thing. Straight to God and say, like, I need help. It says that she cries out, I need, your, I need your help. He responds and he says, okay, that's great. What's in your house? She says, okay, that's amazing. What do you have in your hand, I wonder? And her first response, if we read it, it says this, your servant has nothing there at all. That's what she said. Then she said, oh, except I have a small jar of olive oil. Um, I can kind of, kind of picture the, the scene. I can imagine her saying, you know, there's nothing here. And Elisha's response is like something like, you know, he doesn't even say anything. He knows he doesn't even need to say anything. He kind of just takes like an angry pause, you know? Like he's just like, come on, lady. You know, like, yeah, get a grip, pull yourself together. I'm sure there's something. Like, are you even sure? It's like the moment, um, uh, and you, maybe you relate to this. It's like the moment where I can't find something at home and I go to look for it. I'll look for a bit, but then I always end up giving up because I, I mean, I can't find it. And my, my way of giving up is from the other end of the house to yell out to Alicia, uh, because Alicia, she, she knows, not all things, but she knows where all things seem to be, right? So I'm like, Leash, where's my, where's my keys? You know, where's my wallet? Where's, my, where's the kid? Where's the kids? I don't know, whatever. <laughs> and her response, and, and can someone holler at me if you agree with this? Her response is, it's in the top drawer. And then my, my response to that is like, which one? We have many top drawers. Like, come on, man, be specific. This is just annoying. Then I'll say, I've actually already looked there. It's not there. 
I, like, I promise you, I'm like, babe, it isn't there. I hear what you're saying, but I disagree. It's not there. Then she comes over, okay? We know how the story goes. <laughs> she opens, opens the drawer to have a look, whatever it might be. And she does this thing. It's revolutionary. I've never figured out how to do it. She's uncovering the drawer. She moves things around. Like, she takes things out. She, she just uncovers. Oh, there's my wallet. There it is there. It was in there the, it was in there the whole time. It's awkward. It's embarrassing. I'm willing to admit it uh, to you. Or very, it's a, this is a vulnerable moment for me. <laughs> But then I, um, as we, as you know, take my wallet, amazing, thank you, uh, I'll leave. And I always have to have the last say. I'll be like, hey, babe, um, just so you know, that top drawer's it's a bit of a mess, probably needs a bit of cleaning out. <laughs> no, I don't do that. <laughs> Calm down. Got to have the last say. Um, but this is, this is what we do, though. We face things in life. We have a loss in, in life. Can't find a thing. There's a, there's a hurt. There's a failure. There's um, shame for some reason. And our reaction is, that's it, I'm done. <laughs> that's it, I'm out of options. So many people don't come back to church because they feel shame. So many people don't come back to God because they feel like He's just going to condemn. People don't come back to church because they feel like, you know, have you ever heard that thing? Oh, everyone thinks this about me. It's an assumption that's been made. It's someone who's quickly uh, uh, gone to this outcome or, or idea that I don't belong. There's nothing there for me. I don't have a place, there's, there's no space for me there. I don't see a way. And because I don't see a way, there is no way. And so when God asks us, like Elisha asked this woman, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your hand? Our first response can be so often, I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing. And, and so it says, she responded by saying, there is nothing at all. Oh, except I have a jar of, of olive oil. And she says, a small jar of olive oil. Do you think she took a second look? Do you think it was like she, she took a, like, like, like scanned the room, didn't see it, then on the second look she saw it? I kind of think maybe that's what happened. But I also wonder if she saw it the first time and when she saw it, she thought, it's too small. When she saw it, she thought, too insignificant. Saw it and thought, this, this surely won't help me. This isn't enough to help me. It's just a small little bit of oil and I don't think that's enough. I think sometimes we label things in our life as nothing because we have assumed it's too insignificant to make a difference during our deficit. It's too small, God. Surely you can't use this. But we see things as small, but God sees them as a big opportunity. We would see a small jar of oil. That's what we see. We're, we take things as face value. That's what we do. But God sees the potential for multiplication. God sees the potential for what it could be. We read the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. It's an amazing story. We know that Jesus, though, I guarantee, He didn't just see this boy with two fish and five loaves. No, He actually saw what could be. He saw what could happen. He saw that it could feed these 5,000 plus and then have baskets left over for everyone to take home in little doggy bags. You know, that's, that's how amazing He is. I want to share the thought today that when we see nothing, God sees more. When we see nothing, oh, God sees something in your life. You think it's too small, but God thinks it's exactly what you need and it's exactly what's required to get the more that you want or that you are needing in life right now. It's exactly what you need to, in fact, find your point of breakthrough. And there's more where it came from. It looks small, 
but in God, there's more there for you. Is this encouraging anyone? Here's a tip. Stop being so negative. Ooh, not very encouraging. (laughs) Start to view things in a positive light. Start to, everything is small. Not everything is broken. There are some things that are worth actually looking into, valuing, and actually appreciating a little bit more. Why don't we try and become a positive person? <laughs> try and just view things like it's actually, ah, see, that's, that's, there's something there and that's enough for me. <laughs> there's something there and that's gonna be okay. Why don't we try and become an optimist? Start to view life from God's point of view. Take a moment, go back and take a second look through your house and see that what's in there is exactly what God needs to be able to bring a breakthrough into your life and into your situation. That's the first thing, take another look. The second thing is this, you're gonna need jars. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbours for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. No, go and get some jars. You're going, to need, you're going to need quite a few jars. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put it to one side. Go and get some jars. I can imagine her first thought might have been like, hey, Elisha, I don't need jars. I need oil. Elisha, I don't need I don't need jars. I need, I need oil. The jars worth nothing. I need oil. That's what's going to help me in this situation. I don't need something to put nothing in. Or do you? Do you? In the beginning of time, we read this amazing story where God created the world. And that before He created the world, it was without form and it was void. The very first thing that God did at the beginning of time was to form it before He filled it. She has to go and get a jar because God never pours a blessing out on nothing. She has to go and get some jars because He wouldn't pour oil into her life if it was just going to drop straight to the ground. He has no use for it on the ground. It has to be in something that can actually carry it. It has to be in some sort of container, like the way that God created the world. I mean, He created the space before He put us in it. He didn't create us and put us in nothing. He put us in the environment that we live in. It's how God works. Why? Because He's an intentional God. And He also says that if you're going to be faithful with the small things, then you'll have an opportunity to be faithful with the big things. So when you feel empty and when you feel like there's a deficit or you're not enough and you're wondering why is God not helping me yet, you need to take a few steps back. Understand this, before the oil can flow, a jar needs to be in place. Before the oil can flow, a jar needs to be in place. God can't fill the areas of our life that aren't first open to Him. So we need to make a jar available. Make a jar available. What does this mean? Where do we get a jar from? Do I just go down to Kmart? That would probably be the cheapest option. (laughs) No, it takes a bit more than that. See, the Bible paints this amazing image that we are like jars of clay. You and I, we are like jars of clay. That in fact, we are the jar that's required for filling. That the oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And as we position ourselves, listen, God can work a revival in our lives. That as we position ourselves as a vessel for this outpouring, come on, that revival can actually start to take place within, within our lives. Revival doesn't happen if there isn't, yet, uh, if there isn't first a surrender. 
It costs a bit more than just going and picking up some jars nowadays. It takes a bit of surrender. It takes a bit of handing over. Listen, you will stay in your deficit until you can learn to bring yourself to surrender the deficit to God and be able to surrender your life over to Him as well. To say, God, you can have it all. God, I give you space. God, I'm giving you room. And maybe you're in the room and you don't know Jesus. I believe that today, this, is, this could be the day where salvation comes to your house, where Jesus maybe enters your life. Maybe you feel uh, a closening or maybe even in this moment, your heart is racing. I believe that there is a surrender to come. What have you been holding off for? I wanna encourage someone in the room, give God a shot, give Him an opportunity, give Him a try and see what might happen in your life. Because as you become a vessel for Him, as you agree to open yourself up, your life up to Him, God, He fills that vessel that's been handed over. God, he, he, works, he works in that vessel that's been handed over. Things as you position yourself, uh, as you position yourself like a jar, there becomes a touch of heaven on your life. Let me tell you about it. As you position yourself like this jar, things that you thought were impossible start to take place. As you position yourself as a jar, your wildest dreams become a reality. As you position yourself as a jar, God begins to pour into your life. Things begin to change. Your future starts to look a little bit brighter. God starts to do a work in us. But God can only fill a vessel that's been handed over. He doesn't force His way in. So let me encourage you. Let's make it practical. Make space for Him. Make space for Him in your day. Give Him some time. It's a very simple way to create room in your life for God. Give Him some time. Open the Word of God more. Pray more. Seek Him more. Meditate on the Word of God day and night and go after His heart. All of a sudden, you'll find that the deficit that you were in has now helped you reach the destiny that God has for you. Second thing is go and get some jars. The third thing, and this is the last thing, surprise, is uh, there is more. There is more. Verse seven says this, says, she went and she told the man of God, this is what's happened. Look, Elisha, this is amazing. What a great outcome. We have jars filled with oil. Can you believe it? He's like, yes, I believe it. Knew it was gonna happen. Anyways, it says this, go sell the oil, pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. God did a work in her life that didn't just bring about what she needed to make up for the deficit. He actually did a work in her life that was going to give her more than just a deficit, fill her up. A, she was gonna give, he was gonna give her enough that she was now gonna be able to live off. What she needed to make up in, the, in the terms of her deficit has now actually become a life force for her world, for her and her sons. She is now able to live off this. It's amazing. What God has for us I believe, isn't just enough to cover what we need, but it's actually an overflow. It becomes an overflow. It spills out from us. He pours into us so much that it begins to flow out of our lives and it continues to flow out of our lives. It flows into our every day, into our every week, every moment that we wake up, there's still an outpouring that's going on and there's also an outpouring that's happening out of our lives. This whole idea, there is more in Him. Come on, there is still more in God for you. I, th I love this. Um, this is an amazing, amazing moment. In fact, we're about to celebrate at Easter. It's three or four weeks away. And uh, I, I don't, you may not know this, but to Christians, uh, the week of Easter is a pretty big deal. Uh, it's a pretty massive celebration. Uh, it's, 
man, it's, it's a holy week. Let's call it that. Starts with Palm Sunday, ends with Resurrection Sunday. Palm Sunday, of course, is the moment that we celebrate when Jesus made his way into the city of Jerusalem. It's a crazy picture. He'd been prophesied about that this king would come riding said lowly on a donkey. And this is exactly what happens. And everyone's like, here he comes. Here comes Jesus. He's going to save us. This guy, is, he's the man. Like he'd done all this amazing stuff. And now he's finally coming to fulfill the prophetic word that he's going to save the Israelite nation, that God's people are now going to finally know what true redemption feels like. It's, it's amazing. It's a great moment of praise. Then we fast forward five days and it's Good Friday, right? We celebrate Good Friday, which of course is the moment where Jesus faces trial. He's found guilty in some way. He's then tortured, beaten. He carries his own wooden cross up to the hill of Calvary. They nail him to the cross and he dies there for us, for our sins, for our mistakes. That's what he came to do. But I can imagine Jesus' followers in this moment kind of like freaking out. We read about it, like, like this is all happening. They're watching it all go down. And can you picture them just standing with like their hands on their heads like, this is the plan? Is this, what, is this meant to happen? Is he meant to die? Like, is this how it's all supposed to go down? Like, this kind of seems a little bit out there. Like, this is a bit crazy. He's the miracle worker. What are we going to do without him? Like, he's the one who's coming to save Israel. How does this work? How does it work now? He's doesn't look like he's breathing. This is not, this is not an ideal moment. They, they would never understand though. They would never fully come to grips with what this whole moment is really supposed to be like or, or, or feel like. And then we go another day is Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday is a very quiet day. Holy Saturday, they take the body of Jesus down from the cross. They wrap it in his grave clothes, him in his grave clothes and put him in the tomb to rest. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they kind of like bunker down. They kind of go and hide away. They're probably at this point thinking like, oh my gosh, it's, it's done. That's it. Like what, what now? What do we do now? We have nothing and this is, this is kind of out of control. But like God always does, He has never really fully finished His plan. There's still more to go. This is not the conclusion of what God had seen for them. This is not the conclusion of even what God has seen ever for us. There's still more to go because Sunday always has to arrive. There always has to be this third day of resurrection. There always has to be a resurrection Sunday. And early on Sunday morning, several women, they make their way to the tomb of Jesus and they discover that the stone had been removed. They meet an angel and this angel says this, do not be afraid. I know what you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead just as He said would happen. The stone in front of the tomb had been rolled away and Jesus had stepped out in all of His glory and power. And in doing so, He makes His declaration that a resurrection power is accessible for each and every one of us. He makes the declaration that resurrection wasn't just for Him in that moment, but we believe that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, that brought Him out of the, out of the grave, is available and alive within us today. See, just when it seems like it's over, like there's no chance of of coming back. Like Jesus is on the cross and what are we gonna do now? This was our main plan. Like there is no plan B. There is no other way. God still has more. There is still that third day. 
And if we could just hold on to that fact, we would see God come through in a very mighty way. Listen, the stone was rolled away then and I believe that there is this amazing idea for us today that the stone is being rolled away in our life as well that whatever feels dead in your life, whatever the deficit may be, that there is a stone that is being moved to make a way for it to come back out and into life. There's a resurrection power that's within you, just as it was at that grave, at that tomb on that day. So when you see nothing, understand this, you see nothing but a, a dead situation, but God sees an opportunity for resurrection. When you see nothing but something that's dead and gone, God sees space to do a great work in your life. In your eyes, it seems finished and it seems done, but He's the God of revival. He's the God who brings things back to life. And Jesus is our access point to that revival. Revival is here for you. Revival is ready for you today. And Jesus said it in John 7 verse 38, that whoever believes in me, as Scripture says, rivers of water will flow out of them. Rivers of water that seem like life, it would flourish and flow from within them. As you become the jar, now a living water flows not just about this small bit of oil. It's about God's provision. You don't need to bring the oil yourself. God brings it and pours it into your life. And it never runs out. It never runs dry. It renews us daily. In your failing, it's the living water that picks you back up off the ground. In your brokenness, it's the living water of Jesus Christ that makes you whole. In your, in your death, where there is death, there's a living water that brings us back to life because of this exact living water. When we all see just a deficit, He sees more. He sees so much more. And today, I wanna pray for some people who feel like they are, they're facing or living in a deficit right now. You feel like it's, uh, you're just feeling empty. You feel like an empty vessel. Let's put it that way. Can I say, if you feel today like you are empty and you're an empty vessel, it's a great place to be. I've got great news for you. Because you're an empty vessel, gives God the opportunity to pour out His supply in your life. The empty vessel is the beginning of God's supply in our world. In fact, He will supply all of your needs according to His glorious riches. Not your amount of oil, not what you have to offer, but because of His glorious riches. So see yourself as a vessel that God is ready to fill. Come on, even right now, why don't you close your eyes. See yourself as that container, as that jar that God is ready to move upon. The oil will flow. The living water will start to move. Things will start to change. Things will start to shift. It's good when you know you're empty because when you're empty, you know your need. And when you know your need, you remember the source. And right now, all across this place, we are coming back to the source of revival, the source of life. It's a touch of the Holy Spirit in this room and I believe God wants to move in on your situation. God wants to move in on your deficit. Tonight, today, if, if you want prayer for that deficit, I'm gonna ask you just in this moment, right where you're seated, why don't you raise your hands? Why don't you raise your hand? Identify with this idea, with this thought. I'd love to put hands all over this place. Amazing. God wants to take your deficit. He wants to fill your life. He wants to move in on your situation. He wants to move in on what it is that you're facing. Just a moment longer. Incredible up here. Amazing. Amazing. Father, I pray right now, Lord, for every hand raised, Lord, for every heart that is opening up to You. God, I pray that, Lord, like these jars, as we position ourselves, 
Lord, let there be a filling of the Holy Spirit. Right now, I pray, God, would you take what's broken in our lives and make it whole. Lord, would you take what feels lost and Lord, bring it back to a place of being found. Lord, I ask for the person that feels like a dream has died or a dream is dead. God, would you resurrect it? Would you bring it back? God, I ask for your touch right now, Lord, on every life. Lord, no matter how big or small it is, no matter how rich we feel, God, I pray that in our deficit, even the smallest amount of faith, Lord, even the smallest amount of oil is enough that, God, you can use what's in our house, God, and multiply it. Lord, bless it. God, would you just continue to pour out on it, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, let's give God some praise for a moment, why don't we? Thank you, Lord. I want to just, with every eye closed, every head bowed still, I want to pray for one more group of people. And listen, if, um, if you are in the room and you don't, you don't yet know Jesus, you don't know, you don't know His saving grace, you haven't started a relationship with Him, you have, to, you have to understand that God so desperately wants to be in relationship with you. That He sent, God sent His one and only Son to die for us on this cross. It's a story we've talked about today. He, is, he has come for you. He is still on His way for you. He's been waiting for you. And today, if you would just say, yes, I believe, then everything in your life can change. Everything in your life can shift. It's not about making up for what you've done wrong. That's not how God works. It's just about saying yes to Him. And then there's a grace that covers everything. There's a grace that covers every mistake. There's a grace that covers every wrong thought. Everything that you've thought about yourself that maybe has been harmful or hurtful, He now wants to grace you with a new way of thinking. It's the mind of Christ that as we take a hold of Jesus, that we become a brand new creation. And so if that's you in this room, with every eye closed, every head bowed, no one's looking but me. If you wanna start a relationship with Jesus, I'm gonna count to three. And on three, if that's you, go ahead and just raise your hand. And I wanna just simply pray a prayer with you today. If you wanna know Jesus afresh in your life, chuck your hand up. One two, three. Amazing. Just wait a moment just for anyone who wants to say yes to starting a journey with Jesus or recommitting to Him today as well. Amazing, amazing. Incredible. Well, come on church, why don't we stand to our feet? I feel like we should finish this morning. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you're wondering what your next step in your faith journey looks like, please get in touch with us. Email us at info at or visit our website, annasbrook.co.nz.